At only the midpoint of the year, the 2020 Game of the Year has revealed itself in all its gruesome and thoughtful glory. Finally, we have in our hands a game in which a sweeping narrative and nail-biting action-oriented gameplay come together in brutal harmony. A game that shrugs off the standards of the video game industry and provides an experience so varied and beautiful that it stands in its own category. With gameplay that constantly challenges and delights, and story beats that only get more interesting and satisfying with the additional hours you put into it. This game stands tall in a sea of AAA releases. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you my review of Warframe Imperium. Wait, what? That's not what this is for. Okay, what's it for then? It's for The Last of Us 2. The Last of Us came out like six years ago, and I think we did that on the podcast already. Two. There's a two? Yeah, it's called The Last of Us 2. So it's The Last of Us 2? It's a sequel. Are you sure it's not called like... Oh, hey, look, there are more of us. No, it's called The Last of Us 2. Well, I thought it was funny. Okay, well, I didn't play it, so... I guess... Bye! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, scars and wolves, Team Space Pod is back. You know, we've been gone for a little bit. This is episode 32. We haven't done an episode in quite some time. Uh, we figured that we got to the end of video games, that we had solved all video games. Anthem was coming out. Uh, our last podcast was January 2019. Anthem was about to come out, and, and Joe and I, who worked on the product, were like, you know what? Games are done. This is the pinnacle. We're good to go. We don't never need to talk about them again. Uh, but something else happened, and we needed to reunite the crew for one more ride, one last ride, if you will. The the last of us, if you will. Uh, Joe Gadil, welcome to the podcast. Um, I, I really don't know what to say. It's been so long. I think a lot has changed in all of our lives. A Obviously, lot has COVID changed. has happened. Period. Um, yeah, it's a whew, different world. It's great to hear. Great to hear the theme song, and great to great to be on the call with you guys, though. I forgot the theme song. Actually, I had to ask Tony Manorino, who's also here. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Hello, it's been a long time since we've done this. I had to remember which buttons to push in which, which order to make this uh, make this hamster ball work, so we can start recording here. But uh, we're gonna see how this goes. Yeah, we. I had to. I had to ask Tony to pull out an old episode because I was like, wait, what? How? Do, what is a podcast? Because we are the only video game podcast on the internet. Nobody else has tried to replicate this format, uh, which is shocking and surprising. But we're here. We're reviving it. We're bringing new guests into the fold. Blake Freeman, how you doing? I'm doing well. And, you know, we all kind of forgot about this podcast. As the only listener of the podcast, I kind of forgot about it too. <laughs> but it's fun to be here. Very excited and uh, ready to talk about The Last of Us. So we're talking about The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, this is, again, again, we thought we had video games solved and, and Bioware was going to figure them all out. And then we came back and realized that, no, Daddy Druckmann was coming in. And he had a hot new story for us, which is why we're back. 
and this is going to be a, a full-on spoiler cast. We've all finished the game, uh, so we're going to just say we're just going to say things. No warnings anymore. It's this one. So if you want to bail out, if you for some reason are listening to this podcast and haven't played The Last of Us Part Two, uh, bail out now. If you have, we're going to do a quick recap, and then we're just going to jump right into it because there's a lot to discuss. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two is a sequel to a game that came out in 2013, uh, named The Last of Us. And it takes place in a uh, post-apocalypse. There is a... Uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. There's a global pandemic happening um, that's killing people. And people aren't quite sure exactly uh, what's going on or how it started, but now they have to live in this brave new world. And uh, this one in particular uh, is a fungal infection uh, that turns people into uh, basically zombies. And the world is very cruel and very harsh. And you play as uh, a man named Joel. This is the last part when you play as Joel and Ellie um, going across the country because Ellie's immune. And there is a group called the Fireflies who think that they have a cure for um, that they can they can come up with a cure using Ellie's immunity for this virus for this infection. And at the at ultimately the end of the game, uh, after you know blazing across the country for for a year essentially, Joel decides that he is too attached to Ellie. Ellie is too important to him that uh, the scientific experiments that the Fireflies would need to do on Ellie. Uh, would cost her her life. Uh, she would die in the process. And Joel thought this was unacceptable. And instead of uh, saving humanity, uh, or potentially saving humanity, he decided to kill everyone. <laughs> Including the last doing. doctor on Earth who could possibly figure out a cure for this thing. He's the yes. protagonist. Yeah, he's, he's the good, quote-unquote, the good guy. Uh, and he kills uh, everyone who, who could potentially save humanity, and he lies to Ellie. He says, there was nothing they could have done to save you. She was uh, actually, she was under uh, anesthesia when this happens. So she just wakes up and says, Joel, what happened? Why are we leaving the hospital? And he goes, oh, they couldn't figure it out. And she immediately sees through this, but they leave the ending ambiguous. And seven years later, here we are with the last of part two. And I'm going to try and get through this as quickly as possible because there's there's a lot of depth here. There's a lot more depth to that story than, than the last of part one, which I think is why we're back. We're here. We feel like we need to discuss it and talk about it and, and try and, and parse all this stuff out. So Absolutely. It's a, it's a very complicated story with ups and downs, left turns, um, past the things coming back to haunt you, but I think that was a pretty good synopsis of the first game there, there, Marty. I think you nailed it. Thank you. Is that off the top of your head? Yes, it was actually. Wow. Um, The, you guys need to stop me though, because this one takes a lot more twists (laughs) and turns. They're, they, they try this very unique thing where there are basically multiple storylines happening all at the same time. Uh, As Tony alluded to, there's um, interactions in the past where, uh, you know, the, the the game itself takes place, I think it's two years or, no, it's four years after uh, the events of the previous game. And you will occasionally uh, flash back to moments of Joel and Ellie being together, um, trying to survive in this, you know, in this brave new world. They, they've reached the other side of the country. They're in a compound in Jackson, Wyoming, that Joel's brother uh, is responsible for. They've tried to rebuild society, and they've done a decent job at it, all things considered. Um, and throughout the course of these flashbacks, you find out that Joel eventually, uh, or, or rather Ellie found out what Joel actually did, and they have to confront that situation. Uh, so you walk into this game, originally not knowing that Ellie knows what happened um, by the time you, you take control, but throughout the course of the game, you find out that Ellie found out what happened uh, and is very mad at Joel. And then you play as Ellie for a couple hours, and Joel is uh, brutally and um, unceremoniously, I think is the right word, uh, oh. murdered. He has his head bashed by a nine iron. It's pretty bad. It's pretty graphic. And I think for, for, uh, certainly for me, um, there have been some, some leaks that had happened prior. 
Um, certainly a very shocking moment. Um, you wouldn't expect the protagonist of the previous game to just, you know, bite it in the first couple hours of the of the sequel. Yeah. Um, but and you're not sure who these people are, or why they are actually uh, attacking you. But you decide to once they they kill Joel, they actually let you go. They let Ellie go, and you play as Ellie, um, seeking out your revenge. And it turns out that these this group of, of people who killed Joel are based in Seattle, and you're in Wyoming. So they 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 trek over to Seattle. Her and and her um, girlfriend, uh, Dina, who's a new character, who's my I'll, I don't want to get into it right now. She's the fucking best. Um, she's she's awesome. She's great. She's the best new character. She's great. She's amazing. She's fantastic. And y'all trek out uh, west, further west to, to Seattle to find this group. And over the course of a couple of days, you know, you run into a couple of the people who have uh, who were there when when Joel died. Um, and Ellie just keeps ratcheting up um, how far she needs, how far she feels like she needs to go to avenge Joel. And again, throughout the story, you're finding out that you know Ellie knows exactly what Joel did, um, and potentially uh, she starts guessing as to why. Um, and she eventually does get this confirmed. She finds out why um, people are after Joel. It's because they were former Fireflies who, after Joel, you know, murdered everyone, they all kind of disbanded and um, moved into a different kind of faction called the Wolves, um, the WLF, the, the Washington Liberation Front. And they, they wanted to seek revenge upon Joel for what happened and for kind of damning humanity to, to their fate, um, knowing that Ellie is uh, one of the only people, if not the only person, who's immune to the infection. And uh, you get to... Uh, you, you kill a lot of people. You kill so many so people. Many, you, kill, you kill a dog. So many um, people. You kill oh. a pregnant woman. It's and it gets, her boyfriend. And her boyfriend. And like literally, his dying breath is. Oh, by the way, that that woman you just stabbed in the neck. She's pregnant. Yeah. And then he and then he and then he kills over. Like the the, the most um, on the nose. Like you should feel bad about what you did. I don't want to get into. I don't want to editorialize the story. But we, I have feelings. Yeah. Um, and Ellie actually vomits when, when that is she, revealed. She physically oh, she's not gets happy. sick. Yeah, it, she it, she's she understands the gravity of what is going on, but she ultimately she she doesn't get to the person who killed Joel, but she decides that she's going to bail out. And uh, she's just like, All right, to, killed- to add color to that, you know, Dina Ellie's girlfriend is pregnant at this point, very newly pregnant. So uh, obviously not with Ellie's baby, but like this is a reoccurring now that would or be some story. sort of parallel theme. <laughs> yes, that would be a whole a different good- video game if that was the case. But uh, yeah. Um, Originally, when you start the game and you start playing as Ellie, Ellie and Joel's relationship is not what it was um, at the at the last end of the, end of the last game. And then you're presented you you slowly as you play the game get more information on what Ellie knows about that whole situation. There's a pretty mm-hmm. powerful scene where she figures it out. They have it out a little bit. Um, so the the game it kind of hides a lot of information from you. And it, you slowly un, 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 unwield it as you uh, go through the game. And um, I don't know if that was, like, the most effective way to do it. What do you guys think about that? Like, just the, the storytelling kind of pace and structure of this whole narrative. So l- let's just focus on the first half, because I think the, the second half um, takes, takes quite a turn. Um, but I, I think that, you know, they very clearly deliberately trying to manipulate the emotions of the player and their understanding of Joel and Ellie's relationship. You know, you're walking into that situation. It's, it's almost like an unreliable narrator um, type of trope where you, you don't know that Ellie knows that um, yes. Joel did what he did at the, at the end of the previous game. But you as the player are assuming when you're going, when you're setting out on this revenge quest that Ellie doesn't know because why, if she knew how could she possibly want to go on this revenge quest for, for Joel's life? And as this stuff comes to get peppered in, it starts out very sweet. It's like, oh, here's why. Like, here's a very sweet, tender moment. 
you know, where, where Joel and Ellie go to um, a museum. She's oh, obsessed with dinosaurs. Scene. Oh. And they, they go to this natural history museum and, and the science museum. And it's, it's probably one of the best scenes in, in video games that I've experienced, certainly. Um, and I, I think that it's like everything about this game, and, and I will get into this too, but like on every technical level from a performance perspective, the actors and actresses that have been cast are, are absolutely phenomenal. And the subtlety that they're able to convey in every, you know, um, face wrinkle, in every kind of um, gesture, in every eye roll, like it, it's incredible what they're able to convey in, in real time um, on a PS4, uh, of all things. And that, that scene is like really touching, really heartwarming. And then you'll get another flashback scene where, you know, Tony mentioned earlier where Ellie finds out and it's just like how, like with the way she reacted was obviously very negative. She's always felt like there was this issue of her life, not meaning anything because she didn't die when she thought she was going to die. She didn't die when she got infected and then she didn't die, you know, trying to save humanity or she wanted her life to mean something. And she finds out that it was all for nothing. Um, everything they had done previously. And she's like, I'm done with you, Joel. But then you're still playing this game and you're still going on this revenge quest. So it's like, why? Why Why would you do this? And I, it changes, I think, the way the player is supposed to feel about the fact that Ellie's doing this in the first place. Like, And the question is, why are you doing this? I think part of that is uh, Ellie doesn't make a lot of good decisions. I think, you know, at least that's what I took away from the game. And if you had all this information laid out in front of you beforehand, would you make these same decisions? Or is it not knowing that you set out to make the same bad decisions that Ellie ends up making and that you play out the story. Well, and, and that's something else too, that I think that there were people who were upset about the end of the last of Us part one, where you did not to not murder the doctors. You know, you were agency was taken away from you. You were no longer the player. You were Joel and you were acting out what the writers assumed Joel would do in that situation. And I think that that's what happened again here too. Um, I would say far more, um, far, frequent, far more frequently than it ever happened in Last of Us Part 1, where agency is taken away from you. There's a scene uh, that, that's referenced, um, I've seen a ton of people on Twitter reference it, where you are torturing uh, someone for information. And yep. um, they, are, they are not infected, they are not immune to the infection, but you have, you have pushed them into um, an area full of spores where it's very hard to breathe. Um, infection um, symptoms are onset very quickly in this in this um, kind of spore toxic air, and she's choking for air, and you're just, you're beating her to death with a with a pipe, and, you and it's just like you, you have to keep pressing square else. to do it. You can't do anything else. You could only hit the button. Now, in that part, I was just like, "Hey, I I don't want to actually press the square button. Please don't make me do it." I was trying to press every single other button to to hopefully not have to do it. But it's also an interesting message. So, like, maybe they're trying to convey the fact that when somebody is on this type of revenge path, they don't feel like they're in control themselves, right? They are just on this mission, just driven completely by rage and kind of on autopilot. And I, I feel like that's what they were trying to portray. Yeah, and, and I think that it has to be taken in context of the world. You know, it, it's 30 years. Gosh, this is a terrible parallel. Imagine in 30 years, COVID is still not solved. Like, people are going to start losing their fucking minds. Um, and this one's way worse. And, like, you know, people are scrounging around for resources. People are, there are cannibals out there called hunters. Um, there's, a, there's a religious cult called Scars. And, you know, I mentioned that earlier um, in, in the intro as a joke. But, like, there's this, a lot of crazy stuff is happening in the world. Like, how far has the world pushed these people to feel like these are their only options? This is the only recourse um, for, for the violence that, that t- takes place in that world. I think that that's a recurring theme. That ends up being ultimately paralleled because, you know, getting back into the, the, the synopsis of the story, um, you get to a point where, you, like I said, you, you've murdered this pregnant woman and, and her boyfriend and you're like, okay, 
you know, I didn't get uh, Abby, who's the the, the character um, that, that murdered Joel. I didn't get Abby, but I murdered literally all of her friends, so this is going to have to do. Um, I'm going to go back home. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in, you're, you're all packing up. Everything's like all, all your friends who have joined you along the way. There's, there's Dina. Um, two other people end up following you, Tommy and, uh, Jesse, um, Jesse being a new character, Tommy being Joel's brother. Um, and all of a sudden you're walking out of the theater ready to go and you hear a scuffle up front and Abby uh, has found you and she shoots Jesse in the fucking head. Like just like, bam, like nothing, like no, no introduction, like just, just cold blood. Like and then you get a nice a close up on his face. Um, and then, She's got Tommy on the ground, gun to her, gun to his head, and goes, "You know, you stupid bitch, you you we saved your like we spared your life. We didn't kill you when we killed Joel, and you wasted this opportunity." And then uh, Ellie's got her hands up, looking at Tommy. He's got a gun to his head, and then screen cuts to black, and then it takes you back to the first day in Seattle. But now you play as Abby for ten hours, yeah, uh, basically in parallel to everything that Ellie was doing. So you're going back in time. This is after Joel's been murdered, and you are meeting all the characters, including the dog that you had just killed, that you just spent 10 hours murdering. It's like, hey, let's see it from the other side um, and understand kind of why, uh, who these people are, the fact that they have emotions, that they have their own lives and their own narratives. And you ultimately find out that uh, Abby, the character you play as um, kind of in the second half of the game, is actually the daughter of the doctor that Joel killed at the end of the last part one. So let's pause there. What... How did you guys take the the flip? How how did you react? Uh, were you expecting it? Like like what were you guys thinking when that actually happened? So when I was going through it, I was very upset, and I think that they wanted you to be right. You're 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 made to think that Abby is this monster. She killed like the the protagonist of the first game, like your dad, pretty much your father figure, a character that people really loved. So you're made to hate this. You're made to hate this, and when when uh, it took it took me a couple hours to to come around on it. But when I first realized that I was in this for the long haul, is when I picked up the first coin. Like there's collectibles as Abby, and I was like, holy shit! There would not be a collectible system if this was just like a like a twenty minute flashback, right? This is this is something more, and then it just. You just keep going and going and going as Abby, and uh, I really turned around on her. Um, I I enjoyed her character quite a bit, and uh, I'm very interested to hear what you guys thought. Yeah, and I think I guess playing as Abby was one of the spoilers that uh, kind of came out before the game released. I didn't read those spoilers. I wasn't privy to them. So even though there is a moment very early in the game where you play as Abby for a just a brief stint which could have foreshadowed it to me after that i completely forgot about it and just it was up until the moment that you wake up as abby basically on day one again that was the first time where it even occurred to me where i'm like oh this is this is happening i mean i was not uh I wasn't expecting it for sure. Like I, I managed to stay away from most of those spoilers leaked out. It was a pretty significant leak after looking at it. They basically laid out everything, and I don't want to get into um, the reaction because that's a whole other separate issue of like the people that have reacted strongly one way or the other about the way that this, this was being handled. But I think my biggest issue initially was like I was very much in the heat of the story that we were being told. 
I was not excited to go back in time. I did not care about um, what was going on with the WLF, with Abby, uh, with any of her friends. I think that part of my issue with that switch was not necessarily that it happened. I think it's fine. My thing was like the way that they were, again, gating information, this unreliable narrator, and the way that they were presenting that information, it was it was very specifically um, paced out in a way to to try and emotionally manipulate the player into feeling different things at different times when the when the the story writing team decided that it was time for for you to have a, a you know another another morsel of story. Um, I think that that is you know not being able to play out those events kind of in a a more not interesting way because I think what they did here was very bold. It was very different. No no triple other triple A game that I could think of at this scale and caliber has ever tried to uh, attempt something. I think this is brazen, but it really rubbed me the wrong way initially. And I was never able to really come back around on it to the point that I got to the end of the game and, and we'll get to, you know, we got to keep going through the story and I, uh, I want to, you know, I don't want to get too far off the rails, but it just, it didn't stick with me in the way that I think they wanted it to, because I was still so off put by the, the, the transition and what that meant for their narrative momentum that they had and what I was more interested in, even though I was getting to see this different side of, of the story, ultimately a lot of those a lot of those points missed on me because I was still so fixated on like I don't like what's happening here from a gameplay perspective. Um, I don't like what's happening here from like a narrative perspective, and ultimately it, it kind of lost me. That was one of the things for me. Um, I was okay with the switch. I thought it was interesting. I was actually looking forward to finding out more, but the the early portions of gameplay in terms of the Abbey perspective really felt kind of bogged down and slow compared to like those narrative highs. Plus like the, the action packed sequences that you are finishing up with uh, Ellie at the time. Whereas when you jumped into Abby, yeah, it's kind of cool to see the WLF uh, established and everything, but some of those initial fights against the scars and the infected, they just kept kind of felt like rehashes. And let's be clear here, guys, this was like, what 14 hours into the game so we all a lot of us thought we're like oh we're headed to get into the home stretch yeah um <laughs> but then to, to kind of drop us in and they're like nope you've got probably 10 to 12 more hours they definitely to me could have fixed the pacing a little bit more like day one two and three on abby's side should not have had to feel as long as it did to me to get the same effect i think one other interesting thing is I, I'm really curious on if they were able to make you actually play as Abby first and then somehow flip to, to Ellie. If they were able to pull that off, I actually think it could have been more impactful that maybe you're just going through the game and then you don't realize that it could be Tommy, who's the sniper, which I kind of picked off for. Um, but that could have been an interesting way to put it as well. But But yeah, going back to my original point, I think the gameplay part of it really bogged it down early for me. Um, I, I did turn around by the end of it and really liked Abby's story, really liked Lev, my p favorite p character in the game. Um, but, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my take in terms of the gameplay side of things. And so Abby's Joe, I, I was better, by the way. I thought she was Tony, more, go ahead. way more fun to play as than Ellie. Ellie's more of really? a... Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, her guns were better. Um, I felt like stronger i guess when you're doing a, like a melee combo or something like that. i bet you did abby's abby's got the guns dude. if you know what i mean dude yeah she's, she sleeps she outside the weight room she's swole she's swole uh joe i'm really mad at you because that was gonna be my big grand pitch of like how we could have fixed the last of us part two which was imagine a world where this game was pitched and marketed as an anthology 
you know, The Last of Us has created a very it, it, it's a bleak world, but I think it's a place where you can tell a lot of different types of stories. And they certainly proved that in Last of Us Part One, um, where you ran into to Henry, you ran into um, uh, David, I think was his name, the the creepy mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the molester yeah. uh, cannibal. Yep. And there's a ton of different interesting, terrible, going as terrible uh, stories to tell in that universe. Imagine a world where it had been pitched as you know, there's there's this new crew that you're running with. Um, it's Abby and her buddies, and like. There's a whole narrative around this, this religious cult, the, the the scars or the seraphites, and we'll get into that as we, we continue on the story. And imagine that, like midway through the game or three fourths of the game, you find out that Abby is the, the daughter of the doctor, and then all of a sudden you run into Joel or you run into Ellie. Like there, there's a different, more interesting way that that could have been presented. And I, I think that uh, it set the wrong expectation. Like this whole game was about revenge, and, and obviously, yes, you don't want to spoil your game in your in your marketing. Um, but it was set up uh, in, in pretty much every pre-release piece of content that ba- that Dina was likely the one who was going to die. And that was the revenge story that Ellie mm-hmm. was was partaking in. She was going to go get vengeance for somebody killing her girlfriend. But it was Joel and to the point where they edited cutscenes for the trailers and a preview build the press actually got to play where Joel was kind of falling behind you hours after he had died in the actual game. Uh, and it was replaced by Jesse, uh, this other character who came uh, who followed you and Dina from Jackson. Uh, actually, the father of the baby that Dina's pregnant with. And we'll That's get some back Kojima that. but, shit right there, dude. Like, fucking, fucking with people's expectations. I like it. I, 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 I again, for what they were trying to do hard, but that kind of world that you just imagined where, like, you pl- it's an anthology and you play uh, from the get-go as Abby, like, I don't find that to be as impactful. To me, I think we'd have the qualm of, oh, so they just, you know, plopped this person's story conveniently into the the first one just to make it fit the narrative whereas this one like feels very earned really because it feels like they just conveniently plopped in the fact that that the doctor that you randomly murdered had a daughter and her name was abby and she was gonna get fucking swole and beat the shit out of you four years later (laughs) um it's it's all of convenience right like it's two people in a room or or however many people i I don't want to minimize the contributions of that whole team to to make this happen but there's neil Druckmann and there's another woman uh, I, Haley Gross, I believe her name is. Yes. yes um, and she right. worked on Westworld. Is that? I think that's accurate. Um, she worked on some other big uh, HBO television program, and it they they again made these conscious decisions to retcon a decent amount of stuff um, to the point where, like, and, and again, I don't want to get into meme wars on Reddit and things like that, but apparently, um, the doctor in the first game uh, that you murder. Um, had much darker skin uh, than the than the genteel white man uh, that you uh, shivved with his own uh, scalpel um, in the reimagining of that scene uh, that you play out in the very beginning of the game um, in The Last of Us Part Two. It, it, it's all of convenience. I, I think it's a bad faith argument. Like every story that is authored for entertainment purposes, like I, I think the Marvel movies do a really good job of this. But how much retcon stuff happened there? That's um, exactly it's, it's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that you could say the same argument for either story. Yes. I, okay, that's fair. I, I I agree. But again, I think that that would have been a more. This was a very interesting way to to, to approach the story. I feel like the the way of trying to intersect the stories from a different point of view or at a different time in the timeline could have been more impactful for me. Speaking of story, you know, we, you know, we just chatted a little bit about that initial swap, you know, where does Abby's story kind of take her that once we flash back a little bit? Well, well, that's a great transition. Like, thank you for asking. Uh, so you play as Abby, uh, again, it, it's, it's honestly about 10 hours or so. I, I think the, 
you know, you go through day one, day two, day, th- day three in Seattle, because that's kind of how the, the structure of Ellie's story is set up, day one, day two, day three, but you're really not, like, following Ellie or anything like that. It's not like you're finding all the people that she's murdering and you're getting more angry about it. Like, you're kind of a, a little bit uh, ahead of her. So, real quick, characters. <laughs> real quick, like, Marty was, was a little lagging behind my playthrough, and he's like, hey, I'm on day two. Where? How much game do I have left? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, bro, that's a little complicated, and I didn't want to give anything away because he didn't get to the Switch yet. Um, so I just wanted to, to throw that little tidbit in there because yeah. uh, be careful when you're talking about this game to people because you could be on different storylines. Different day twos. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you're going through and, and there's this kind of, there's this other emotional arc going on or, or this narrative arc going on between Abby and Owen, who is the boyfriend. Uh, you, you and Abby and Owen had been dating at some point in Salt Lake City, where the hospital was, where all the bad stuff that Joel did went down. And ultimately, like, Owen was the one who found Abby's father's body um, after everything had happened and was the first one to kind of be there and comfort her. And, and there was clearly some sort of um, falling out uh, between um, between Owen and Abby at some point because Owen is then dating Mel, who is the pregnant woman, and, and it's gotten her pregnant. Uh, and you're kind of learning this again through flashbacks as you are looking for Owen. Owen's actually gone AWOL. And, you know, he's a, he's a dear friend of yours despite everything that's happened uh, between you two romantically. And so you're going after him. And and throughout the course of this, you're actually captured by the Seraphites, who is who are this religious cult that live um, on an island. I believe geographically it's like Mercer Island. Um, actually, I funny enough, I'm in Seattle right now. And uh, Mercer Island is kind of like in between the, the mainland state uh, of the state and um, Seattle itself. And they, they, there's this religious cult that kind of lives there. They've, they've sworn off technology and, and the old ways, quote unquote. And are trying to kind of they, they feel like the the pandemic has been a punishment um, that that God has bestowed upon them because they were you know they weren't doing uh, good on Earth um, you know using technology and things like that. So you are ultimately um, as you are looking for for Owen, you are captured by the Seraphites, and they like to do this thing where they string you up by your neck and then they disembowel you and then they hang you. Um, and every once in a while throughout the game, you'll find bodies. And this um, is something uh, we that, saw like years ago, right at like the Paris Game Show kind of reveal. That's right. They oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember. I remember thinking that was like days gone. I'm like, this is awful and terrible. Like, why would they put this in here? And it was all characters we haven't seen before. It was yeah. Abby, and like there were all these theories that like Abby was Ellie's mom, and this was like a flashback, and like there's some other weird stuff going on. But man, how wrong was that? Abby being Ellie's mom. Um, <laughs> holy shit! Uh, but anyway, you, you're captured, and the Seraphites are just killing the WLF. The WLF um, and the and the Seraphites are at war. And so, like, oh, good, Wolf, we're going to just disembowel her and leave her hanging on the street. And um, two uh, other Seraphites, or what they're, they're called, the, the, the WLF called them Scars, because they actually, as a part of some sort of initiation process, they will, um, almost like Joker-style, uh, carve lines into their face. Um, and then they all they have these scars, and that, that proves that they are warriors, um, or that they are part of this um, cult, and they've denounced all the old ways. But anyway, two Scars show up actually save you and, and there's not a lot of trust going on like they let you they kind of let you dangle there for a while which i thought was was interesting uh, i was like dude i'm choking to death and you want to help me down like please <laughs> yeah i was, um, I was after... looking for the qte like how do i uh, get out of this but it just you just kind of just hung out there yeah but but you find out it's these two kids um who are uh, running away um lev who is the character that that joe referenced earlier uh is actually um transgender uh, he is, and, and he's being uh, punished for that. Uh, the Seraphites uh, have deemed him unclean, and they're trying to murder uh, him and his sister and their mother, and uh, they're running away. And they, they happen upon Abby, and Abby helps save them. Uh, the, the Seraphites do some 
real nasty shit to to Lev's sister and and beats the hell out of her arm. Um, she has compartment syndrome, uh, which is where you know your bone your bones are broken so badly. There's no way to fix them, and in fact, they are um, infected, and you have to amputate essentially. And, and guess what? There's not a whole lot of medical supplies um, 30 years after the apocalypse. So, you know, as Abby, you typically would like again, you're this militarized faction of, of humanity who is was fighting against these guys and be killing these scars for theoretically years at this point. Um, and all of a sudden, Abby's like, "Okay, I, I something's going on in my brain. I need to save these kids." Um, there, there's a lot more, I would say layered nuance to how Abby gets to that conclusion. She ends up finding Owen and they talk about, um, you know, just being kind of done with all the murder. Uh, it, it turns out that the murder of Joel uh, really impacted the group uh, in a big way. All of them knew the doctor that Joel killed. All of them knew that, that Joel had kind of damned humanity and they're all very mad at him. But I think still the way that they went about going and, and killing this person, seeking them out um, really impacted all of them emotionally. Uh, they, they do violence all the time, but this particular action um, really uh, rocked them, and to the point where Owen, the reason he went AWOL was because he kind of was done. He was like, I don't want to kill anymore. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I want to try and be uh, more involved in doing good as opposed to doing uh, violence upon others. So I'm going to go to Santa Barbara, which is an area where uh, Blake is actually from. Yeah, and how about it? We, they... we got, we got a, a man on the street from uh, Santa Barbara to talk about that that whole encounter. But uh... Oh, we'll definitely talk about it, trust me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this uh, this but... part was like kind of the turn for me on, on Abby, right? Yeah, you, me too. You, you definitely get to see her humanity here. She's not this like crazy, bloodlustly killer. You know, like we only really see of her, we, we play as her like for five minutes. And then she kills the main character, right? She kills Joel. And then this story picks up, and then you get to kind of see that there's a little bit more to her. And I, I, that's that's how I felt when I was going through. Joe, you, you said you felt the same way, kind of? Yeah, when the moment where she has the chance to kind of abandon Lev um, and her sister, uh, and his sister, is that point where, the, the point where she comes back and she's like, ah, oh, fuck. Basically, it's like, hey, your morality is still tugging at your heartstrings. You're still a good person, no matter the things that you did. Um, that's where it's really started to turn around for Abby, at least in my eyes. And then seeing that kind of transition uh, and, and watching her journey pr to protect Lev all the way back to Santa Barbara was what turned me around on her character. And I think the most interesting that we, we've talked about in the past with each other and we've read about and, and seen in some videos, basically, it, it really feels like when you're playing as Abby, protecting Lev, it's, it's very much an, an allegory or allusion to what Joel was going through. Um, it, 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 it was a really, really cool thing to be able to see, um, basically, uh, the same character that you loved in Joel, it, even though you know he's done a, a lot, a lot of bad things, um, played out in a different kind of way, and and it's it really challenged you emotionally as a player uh, to to find empathy in that in that character specifically to say, look, these people were actually really similar, and at the end of the day, they're all just trying to do the right thing for themselves. And I think the underpinning to all that is also this idea that as she's talking with and, and, and chasing down Owen and talking with all of her friends that she's meeting along the way and also talking with Owen, uh, getting revenge and, and killing Joel didn't stop the nightmares that she was having of seeing her dead father. Uh, it wasn't stopping the nightmares of her seeing a vision of 
Lev and Yara, uh, Lev's sister, uh, disemboweled hanging on a tree. It wasn't solving the problem that she thought that she had. And I think that's where it started for her, again, hearing Owen, wanting to go to Santa Barbara, looking for the fireflies. Where that, that's why they were going to Santa Barbara. There was going to be, there was a rumor that more fireflies were there. It it started to, that that's kind of where that turn ended up happening. And I think that's something that, unless you're really paying attention, and, and the, the second half of the story is far more nuanced and layered than I think the first half with Ellie. Like Ellie and Dina, and that, that dynamic and the love triangle between her and Jesse and Dina is a lot more straightforward. I think this one requires a lot extra work uh, from the player to kind of reach those emotional conclusions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah you, you definitely get the sense that like, okay, she, she, she's very one dimensional. When you first meet her, she wants to kill Joel, right? That's her main mission in life. And then once she kind of did that, she's not the same as she was. She, she kind of like what she thought was her purpose on, in the world is now gone. And it, she doesn't feel great about it kind of thing. So, and that's, uh, and that I think it was paced pretty, pretty great in terms of her story arc. Like, hate, I fucking hated her when we got sucked in to play as her. And then you, you start to see the little softening. And then this was the moment when, when she goes back for Yara and, and Lev, um, that was, that was kind of her redemption arc for me. It's also worth I think- pointing out that, uh, a lot of Abby's friends and uh, the cast that she surrounds herself with, you know, they're all a big mystery along with her when they kill Joel. But as you play as Abby and you meet these people, you kind of learn to like them just as much as you like Ellie's friends and the community that she has. So it it, build, it does build these feelings uh, for these people. You You start to understand them and care about them. Yeah, isn't it funny? Like when you're playing as uh, as Ellie, and you're killing all these people, you're like, ah, all these stupid flunkies of the villain. We we got the henchman. Like oh. you, you feel kind of satisfied at the beginning. You're like, oh yeah, I got that stupid dude. Look at his stupid face. And then you get flipped, and it's like, oh oh no, Manny Manny's a great character. Oh no, the dog. Oh oh, oh dude. no. Um, I have yeah. So many thoughts on this. Um, just uh, so like. The the lady with the Vita, right? She you kill you sneak up behind her, she's dead in two seconds, you never think about her again. Until you, you get to meet her as Abby. And one other thing that this game does that I, I don't think I've ever noticed in another video game is like the random henchmen that you see are like in the world that you have to end up killing, like the human um henchmen, they have names. Like when they're when they're in a group of two or three, they're calling each other by their names. And when, when you do a stealth kill on one of them, I don't know if you guys noticed the subtlety, the person that you're killing will turn towards the camera and you can fully see their face. It's not just like a pixelated stand-in asset that's duplicated. These are like real people that have names. And like when you kill one of them, like one of the other guys will walk over and see the body like, holy shit, they killed John or they killed Steve or, or you know what I mean? It's like, I think... That was interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that in a video game. The facial animation you do a stealth killer when you choke someone out really were apparent because oh, yeah. most of the time when you're choking someone out in a video game, a third person video game, like their face is pointed away from the camera, so it's not a problem. But this game, like it turns the camera so it's looking yep. at their face as they're gasping their last breath, and it, it you feel it just as much as they do. 
And I Ellie, turned away when, when every he, time. Oh, I turned I turned towards it not because I'm a masochist or a sadist, but because Ellie, like again on a technical level, Ellie's face just get, it, she gets so fucking mad. And you can see the thing where you do like where you're huffing air and you're kind of huffing it out your bottom lip and it kind of puffs out. Like they got the subtlety of that even like when you're straining uh, against something or you're, or you're pissed off about something. Yeah, it's just, it was just unbelievable um, that they were able to again achieve this. Like they. they the, the term of the use is like the naughty gods. The naughty dog is the name of the the, the development studio, and, and they really do amazing amazing work. And it, it, it seems like that work comes at a cost. There's been some reporting done about um, you know crunch and, and unethical labor practices, um, which I don't think uh, can exist in a vacuum necessarily. But at the same time, it it's tough to argue with um, the the results of what they what they choose to to do. Um, and I will say how that company's operating. A little bit of a sidetrack here. I think all of us on this on this podcast, we didn't love Uncharted Four. We all thought it was pretty. Yeah. I don't know, uninspired, a little mediocre. Yeah, very polished, but something not not much to write home about. Whereas I feel the complete opposite about uh, about Last of Us Two. I think the the challenges they did in terms of story. I think the stealth gameplay is arguably the best stealth gameplay that I've played other than like Metal Gear Solid 5. Um, and that is a, that yeah, yeah. I, I, I notoriously do not, this experience do not like stealth sure. gameplay and <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't mad at it in this one. Um, uh, I, I tried to stay in stealth mostly. I think, uh, I think the controls felt better, like actually playing and moving around the world felt better. It wasn't as clunky as, as the first game could be at times. So, um, yeah, I think they improved in the gameplay part of this game. Yeah, and one of the things that it took me a little while to discover was just how many options there are with changing the gameplay. Um, I started out on, like, a, you know, normal difficulty or medium, whatever you want to call it, and found some of the encounters to just be a little frustrating because of the stealth. But then I looked in the settings, and you could pretty much turn every aspect up or down, you know, more difficult, easier, more resources, less, easier to stay in stealth, harder. And I basically designed the game into a game that I wanted to play. So were your enemies like blind and deaf? Like they didn't fucking know where you were at any point? No, no, I, I, I toggled things up and down. It was a little bit more heavy on the shooting, a little bit less on the, like, scrounging for bullets, and, uh, yeah, for the most part, everything else stayed the same. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly impressive. I don't think... I, I, you've seen it in a lot of different articles and on Twitter, again, like, so many people praising this stuff, because you don't see that pretty much at this level of detail, especially in any game, let alone a, a game, again, of this magnitude and, and size and, and scope and impact, so... Really uh, incredible and commendable work there. I ended up staying on medium the whole time, not making any toggle edits. Although there was one, a really cool one that I do want to go back to in like a new game plus or something where you can actually toggle bullet time essentially during combat. So imagine being able to hit every headshot on those clickers. Oh, yeah. uh, it would be pretty, pretty hype. Pretty hype. Hey, I've got one gripe though. Um, I think Naughty Dog should stop trying these quasi open world areas in their games. They tried it in Uncharted 4, they tried it in Lost Legacy, they tried it in this. I think it's pretty uninspired. To just make a map and just say, hey, go to this, go to this, go to this. What did you guys think of their, their I'm, try I'm, once again at Open World? I'm glad you brought it up because everyone was praising them. I'm like, y'all, really? This is this is doing it for you? Like, I, you're just doing the same things you could have done literally just in a different way. Oh, my gosh, you can do whatever order you want to. That's amazing. <laughs> Who cares? It's all, it's all the same shit for a game there that was, was seven hours too long anyway. There was one uh, interview with uh, 
Druckmann, where he talked about that open world sequence. Uh, and in particular, I don't know if you guys ended up discovering it or experiencing it. There's a moment where you actually play Take On Me on the oh, guitar. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I think he he made it, at least in the interview, you know, the idea was that not everybody should experience this. It's like up to the people who discovered it. Now, I don't think you need a quasi open world to do that, right? You can still have a fairly linear game and have a moment like that hidden in it. But um, I do appreciate that it's something that not everybody may have experienced. I will be, I'll be, I'll say this about that, that mini open world segment. There was one location that I could not figure out how to get to for the life of me. I think it might have been like a hardware store or something, but I got to every other spot on that map, but there was one and I could not for the life of me figure it out. I don't know if you guys, did you guys hit all the spots or, or not? I hit them all. Yeah. Damn. I should have. No, I think I, I think I might've missed that one too, because it was either like above me or below me right. and I couldn't figure out how to get there. Yes. I was just like, fuck it. Let's get to the store. Yeah. I, was I, it the bank? I don't know, but I I, I abandoned it because I was I, I spent a literally like twenty minutes trying to path my way there, and I, I gave up. I was like, okay, I saw I saw the guitar thing, which, which which Blake pointed out, which was great, and I'm like, well, I need to get I need to get this story rolling because this is it was starting to pick up there, so I was anxious to get back to the story. Ellie's yeah, a hell of a guitar player. I'll say that much. Speaking of story. Gosh, where were we? This game is too long. We, we were Lev and Yara yeah, have Lev and Yara. reunited with uh, with yes. Abby. They so so uh, Lev and Abby go on this adventure, uh, this this horrific nightmarish adventure to get medical supplies to help amputate uh, Yara's arm, and they they are successful in, in, in acquiring the supplies. You know, they they trade some goofs along the way. You can see their relationship kind of forming and, and this bond growing stronger as Abby is you know taking on this kind of motherly role, um, similar to the way that Joel did in the, in the previous uh, game. And they get back, but then uh, after saving Yara's life, Lev is feeling very bad that they've left their mother on the island and they're afraid of the retribution that will come down on her because Yara and Lev uh, ran away. So Lev steals a boat. They, they were about to go to Santa Barbara and go find the Fireflies, but Lev steals a, a, a different boat and goes over to um, the island. And um, I, there, there's a sequence where Abby is trying to chase him down and get to another boat where um, you're running with your, your pal Manny, who Manny is, is again, uh, I, have, I have various feelings about Abby's crew. I think some of them are really cool. Um, I think some of them are, were dirtbags start to finish. I didn't really mind that they died. Um, Nora, I hate you. And <laughs> it was, um, you know, you roll with Manny and there's a sniper. Joe mentioned earlier, there's a sniper down the bridge that's keeping you from the boats. Um, really relentless uh, bastard, and you're you're running around, you're ducking uh, up and down cover, you know, trying to make your way slowly through this parking garage, and then you get close to the sniper. The sniper just, oh my god, just tears Manny's head in half with a bullet. Like it, it was, it was right in your face, and it splattered blood all over Abby, and it's just, it was just this horrifying moment, and you know, PTSD. Every every trope of shell shock that you can imagine from entertainment that you've seen in the Fading Private Ryan is happening. She's freaking out. And then she's chasing out the sniper, and it ends up being Tommy. Tommy's the one who's been taking pot shots at them, uh, trying to, to kill Abby uh, because she killed Joel. And uh, somehow, Abby ends up throwing him into the ocean uh, over a railing, and he's just fine. And we don't really ever speak of it again, uh, the fact that that happened, well, even in Ellie's storyline. You remember, Jesse split off with Ellie. Yeah. Because Jesse went to go, because they got a lead on Tommy, because they heard about the sniper from listening to... Uh, some wolf soldiers. Oh, that's right. They so, they yeah. were going to they Ellie and Jesse split off. Yep. 
Because Jesse's like, oh, that has to be Tommy. Yeah, I forgot about that. Ellie says, fuck Tommy, I'm going for Abby. And yeah, like, she's like, he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, fuck that guy. I'm gonna go after the I'm gonna go after Abby. And then I think it's assumed that we never saw the scene, but Jesse ends up finding Tommy, brings him back to the theater. Okay. This all makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, I appreciate it. But anyway, they, they get through the sniper situation uh, with Tommy, and they get on a boat, and they go to the island. And they find that Lev has actually um, murdered their mother. Um, not in cold blood. The, the mother was Accidental. very upset. Yeah. It, was it accidental? I, thought, I think no, it was yeah, self defense. She, slipped. she was she trying slipped, to kill him. Really? Yeah. Or she Her pushed mother him or tried to attack him yes. because he came back. Yes. And the mother was very devout in this cult. And since uh, Lev being transgender and having run away uh, came back, she didn't take it well. And in attacking him, he kind of, you know, pushed back or whatever. She slipped, hit her head. Okay. And, but yeah. she's dead now. Yeah. Um, yep. Is the ultimate result. So like, okay, we got to get yep. off this island. Um, we, we came here to do this. Let's go back and let's go to Santa Barbara. But then at that same time, and this is something you'd heard about at the beginning of Abby's story while you were in kind of the military compound where you first wake up. The WLF are, are, are um, scaling a full-on assault uh, on the island, uh, conveniently at the same time you're there. So you play through this, like, this is as close to Uncharted as this game gets, with, like, this huge set piece. The whole town is on fire. you got to get off the island. You're on a horse. You're shooting dudes left and right. You're shooting wolves. You're shooting scars. It's, it's chaos. And you end up in a situation where this is probably the, one of the most brutal, if not the most brutal scene in the game. There's this giant man with, oh, a, with I know some sort of yeah. about. I know Oh, my gosh. oh, my gosh. And... And Lev is, Lev is injured. Oh my God! Yara dies during all this. Yara is shot in the in the chest several times. Um, that was my most tragic. impactful death, personally. I think. Well, I'm, so, um, I'm sorry to just gloss over it like that. Yeah, that that one. It's interesting with all the death in the game. Uh, and yeah, Joel, I, I did have the Joel one spoiled for me, um, but that was early in a stage setting situation. Um, I think when when Yara died, that one was the one that hit me the worst, um, and I was just like. Really, really shook by that one. Mine was Alice, hundred percent. Alice dog. was a good girl. The dog, she was the best girl. You get to play fetch with her, and then they made you murder her, and then they rubbed their damn nose in it for the rest of the game. Well, no, it's it's not fucking fair because, and this is this is one of my big problems with this whole thing. They don't let you play. You murder the dog first, and then you go back in time and play. Fetch. Yeah, and then you, you had you no choice to murder the dog. You had no idea. Like I would have, I could have yeah. guessed that that dog has probably played fetch with somebody before. But to make me be the person, I know. How dare you, Neil? I Druckmann. felt the same thing. I felt the same thing, Marty. How fucking dare you? Which anyway, I threw the murder. I threw the ball over the fence in that game. That's true. I, I felt that every time. These, it was too these many. poor doggos. There's too many dogs. Um, there's, I guess, there's an option you can um, in the accessibility where you don't have to murder the dogs. I oh. feel like I read that, except for Alice. Fuck that game. Okay. Anyway, uh, speaking of murder, you, you're fighting this big guy, and you get the scythe out of his hand, and then you like you you ram it into the back of his head, and you pull it forward, and literally rip the left side of his jaw just oh. off, and it just it's just hanging there, and he's still pissed. And then like you you're fighting some more, and then Abby puts her fucking fist in his mouth and pulls down on his jaw, and then I think she stabs him or shoots him again like three more times. Like he's a big dude, yeah. Uh, but like when she put his when she put her hand in his mouth, I was like, oh, like because. You see this stuff, and it's very difficult not to, as a human being, like, you ever do that thing where, like, you see somebody get hurt, and you kind of, like, feel it a little bit, where where you would have gotten hit at that same time? Like, you feel it. It's just, like, this visceral, guttural reaction of just, like, of disgust and yes. pain. And it was the most graphic shit I've probably ever seen. And, and, and the, the animation was so game. good. Like, 
it looked a little too real, right? You, you're like, holy yes. shit, um, that 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 shouldn't look as real as it just did, and I felt the same way. Speaking I think of one of the points. Fights. Go ahead, Jeff. I, th- I think one of the points of that scene is it's one of those tropes that you've seen in a lot of the zombie movies in general. It's like, oh, you're being attacked by this human, but he's as savage and looks as fucked up as the rest of the zombies, and that just shows, hey, this is the fucking apocalypse. But go ahead, Blake. Right. Speaking of boss fights, so throughout the game, they do introduce new zombies uh, that weren't in the first one. They have like a zombie that kind of like pops and explodes. Shamblers. Yeah. Yep, they have zombies that are really sneaky uh, and obnoxious. But there's one zombie, and you oh. literally only fight one of them, that just, it, it's like that grotesque level of this big guy with no jaw times a thousand. Uh, it's when you're in the hospital yes. trying to get Yara her medicine or her, her amputation supplies. And uh, I... Somebody else want to take yeah, away? He's the, thinking about the Rat it. King. The Rat King. He's the worst. He's actually has a name. His name is the Rat King. And I saw a thing where how they motion captured this. They literally strapped three people in mocap suits together to get the the arms and legs and the like when the when the one detaches and runs off. Uh, I I when I got to that boss fight, I was like, Joe is not gonna make it through this because that was creepy <laughs> as fuck. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, I just off. I just fucking ran past that Disgusting. thing as much as I could. I was just like, okay, I gotta run over to the opposite side of the hospital area, get whatever I can get, pot shots a couple times flame here and throw. there, and then just keep running away. I was just like, dude, fuck this thing. Yeah, I cooked that fucker up with the flamethrower. I was like, I'm burdening all of my heavy ammo on this guy. Speaking of the infected, something that was really not disappointing necessarily, but but it stood out after the fact is that this is all going on in this post-apocalypse, sure. A, a lot of the violence is human-on-human. Human. Yes, you do want to do two areas of infected. Yes, those scenes are, are definitely tense and kind of more survival horror style. But the infected really don't take a part in the story at all. Um, they, they almost kind of seem like set dressing for, it. oh, it's the apocalypse, so we've got to deal with these guys. And maybe that's what's going to happen, you know, 30 years after the COVID zombies, um, that we're just going to get sick of them. Welcome um, to every just, zombie story ever. <laughs> it just—it was just surprising. I think they played a bigger role in the last was part one, as far as the the tension and kind of where what the stakes were, um, and in trying to cure the infection. Whereas this one was like, that's all done. This is all personal kind of drama that that's taking place between you know a dozen or so people, um, and the infected were just kind of there. Uh, it was it was a weird choice. Uh, yeah, trying to tell a very specific story. And we talked about how we all feel this game was probably a little bit too long. And for me, you hit the exact point. I I could have done with a couple less infected sections. I think specifically the first one um, in Santa Barbara is one that when you were playing as Allie, um, I always said, fuck this. I, I, I want to get to the end of the story. I literally ran past it. And it was probably a 20 to 30 minute encounter on a good difficulty. But I was just like, let's just try running past it. And it worked. Same thing with, uh, I think, the boat-infected sequence with as yeah. Abby. I was just like, dude, how many more of these fucking zombies can I kill? Um, this It's not that fun either. Um, the, the, the encounters were not the, as dynamic as I think they should have been. Um, so if, if there was a place that this game should have trimmed, it should have been some of those infected sequences. Speaking of trimming, we're running long, um, and we're probably only 
75 percent of the way through the story. That's very. Remember very when I started this off, story. I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be a five minute recap. It's gonna be quick." Yeah, You're like 80 percent um, through the story and 70 percent through our feeling. <laughs> yes, I think that's a good way to put it. So, so you get off the, you survive the island, you kill this 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 man of of less jaws than than I think most people would like to have, and you get back to the to uh, the aquarium where kind of Owen and and Mel and Yara and and Abby had all been hanging out. And uh, surprise, Owen's dead. Mel's dead. Um, and Alice then you is find dead. Alice is dead. Actually, Alice is the first one you find. She was the first to die. Yes. Um, and, and it's incredibly sad. Uh, rest in peace, Alice. Uh, a, a real one. But uh, as you are discovering these bodies and, and you're horribly upset, uh, Abby's also kind of underneath crying and, you know, pounding her fist. She finds a map. Um, or, or maybe Lev finds the map. But. Ellie or Tommy or Jesse or somebody had left a map. Um, and they circled their big home base in the movie theater because they're fucking idiots. And um, a recurring theme in this game, I think, for a lot of different characters, just making very, very stupid decisions. Um, and that's where the, the stories reconverge, right? Abby makes her way to the movie theater where she shoots Jesse in the head. And we're finally back after another 10 or 12 hours back to the good stuff, um, as I would call it. The, the meat of where the story started. And you have to play as Abby and your job is to fucking murk Ellie. And there's, there's a boss fight that ensues a couple quick time events, a little bit of, a little bit of stealth uh, here and there, but ultimately Abby is successful. Um, and you know, beats the shit out of Ellie and is about to actually, um, kill Dina too. Cause Dina pops out and tries to save Ellie. Um, and Abby's got a knife to Dina's throat. Um, Ellie's got, I think Ellie's got a broken arm. Um, and like just a fucked up face or nose and eyes are all bloody. And, at, and and Ellie says, uh, don't, she's pregnant. And Abby looks at her, then the eye and says, good. good. And then it's about about to do it, about to fucking slit her throat. And Love's like, Abby, come on. Come on, yeah. girl. Don't, don't, don't be like this. The, um, this is like cements your love of Lev, right? Because he's like the uh, the moral compass of, of, of this game. I think you said that, Blake, and I, I agree 100%. Um, it, Lev is just like, echoing what the player is yelling at the screen like don't fucking do that come on don't do that and then she actually listens and she doesn't kill ellie or dina and um yeah i thought that was a, a really powerful moment because she was she was so rage filled in her eyes when she said that that line good and then she had the knife right up to her throat but i think lev pulled her right back into a sound mind and she let him go Playing as Abby and having to kill Ellie brought me back to a moment, actually, that we had, Marty, uh, back when we played um, A Way way Out. Out. Uh, (laughs) There's a twist in that game as well. And, you know, even though I knew the other person was a protagonist or a character that I was supposed to like or maybe had played as, I wanted to kill him. That was it. I wanted Ellie dead. I, I was done with her BS. She had killed all my friends, and I was ready to to assume the role of Abby finally after ten hours. I let Ellie kill me like ten times before I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do this. Yeah, I love I, I loved how difficult happened. it was. Um, it, it shows Ellie is a master killer, and the fact that it was really tough to to beat her was 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 a good thing. Well, she's very sneaky. Let's. She's very sneaky and was setting pipe bombs by the end of it. Let's not beat around the bush. Ellie and Abby are are one thousand percent sociopaths. Just not full stop. Like there's no other way around it. And and yes, there is growth. Yes, there is change. 
and, and, and at least an attempt to be better. And I think that Lev being able to talk Abby down, honestly, relatively quickly, it wasn't like really a debate. I think it was just bringing Abby back down to her senses a little bit um, after kind of breaking out of those sociopathic tendencies, even though, you know, throughout the course of playing as Abby, you were killing friend and foe alike. You know, you're killing other w- WLF members because they think you've defected because you're helping Sarah fights. They find out about that. Like, you're just, you're murdering a lot of people. Everybody's, everybody, there's a lot of death involved. But ultimately, um, once once Abby walks away, uh, she looks at Ellie and says, I don't ever see you again. And cuts to black. And you kind of think that maybe the story can wrap up here. But we actually have several more hours to go. It's, it's, somebody on Twitter described it as, like, this is like the return of the king. Uh, where there's, like, 17 different endings. It just the eagle. Up, so... The Eagles, exactly. Why couldn't you just fly an eagle to Seattle and find Abby? Like, you could have sidestepped all this stuff. How do you think um, they got to Santa Barbara? Oh, you're right. They, we never see them go to Santa Barbara. Um, speaking of Santa Barbara, though, uh, the, the game then time jumps about uh, 18 months into the future, it seems. If I were to guess, I mean, I don't think they actually put a number on it. But um, No, 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 no. The, the baby is probably nine months because my son probably looks similar to that baby. So it's like, Well, yeah, that baby's like, walking. Oh, that wait, baby on- you're right. Yeah, because Dina was just pregnant. Okay, so yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I apologize. Eighteen months. Of- I'm good at this now. I have a child. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's a new development since this podcast. I know how old kids are now, um, or can roughly guesstimate based on milestones. Anyway, uh, you you fast forward about eighteen months into the future. That's that's where I'm I'm, I'm putting my foot in the ground uh, in that one. Um, and you're you're on a farm with Dina and JJ, uh, the little baby. I'm guessing JJ. I don't think they ever explicitly say it, but I'm guessing that stands for Joel and Jesse. Uh, JJ. Oh, but, I never picked that up. Uh, no, dude's Jesse Jr. Come on. It's not. No, they wouldn't have said Jesse Jr. They wouldn't have said JJ. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I never. I Anyways. Guess, I, anyways, semantics. But you fast forward and you're you're living this idyllic looking life um, on a farm with Dina. Um, you know, there's a couple cute moments between Ellie and Dina. Um, you know, they're still in a relationship and they're raising JJ together. And you go, you actually do some Red Dead Redemption 2 shit, and you're herding these sheep back into um, a barn. And you go to close the barn door, and it's kind of slammed shut. And then it cuts really quickly to Joel's face, um, bloody face. Um, and it's the same sound effect of when that final nine iron hit his head. And you realize that Ellie, first off, it freaked me the fuck out. But it, yeah. Ellie has PTSD. She has never gotten over this, even after, you know, years after Seattle and all the, the bad shit that happened there and what happened in, in, in Wyoming. And they, Ellie and Dina kind of talk about it and are trying to figure out, like, how to get past it. Uh, Dina alludes to the idea that, you know, hey, it's hard for me, too, but I'm, I'm working on it for us um, and for the family. And then Tommy shows up. Um, by the way, didn't mention this earlier. In the movie theater, um, as, as Abby's about to chase after Ellie to murder her, uh, shoots Tommy in the head. And you think that Tommy's dead, too, at this point. But then Tommy just shows up, sitting in your living room, so- and he's got kind of a wonky-looking eye. I'm glad you said that because I thought that she killed Tommy as well. Uh, yeah. Because in the heat of that moment, you, they didn't spend much camera time on it. Like, and it like I was trying to process the scene because it was a very heightened scene. But I was yeah, I was I was so shocked when when Tommy walked up with the limp and he was very much alive. I I that was some weird like um, Rise of Skywalker shit where they killed a character and then they all oh, just kidding a character's fine it's okay there are no consequences here because for the story it's almost like they convenient. animated it and then they're like oh shit Tommy's gotta stay alive for the next uh, the next fucking part of the game but they didn't have time to fix it or something like that it's now canon that Tommy is a Sith Tommy's Chewbacca Spoiler Tommy word. Skywalker fuck that movie um, what a terrible film uh, 
anyway, uh, Tommy shows up. It's like, hey, uh, listen, hope y'all are doing well out here. Because um, clearly they, they've kind of broken off, it seems like, from their society that they, they had in, in Wyoming, the, the kind of um, compound that they had. And Tommy's like, hey, I, I heard a rumor uh, that Abby uh, is in Santa Barbara. You should go after her. And Ellie's like, no, I'm kind of done with this. And Tommy like is actually kind of a shit feel about it and gets in her face about, oh, well, you know, I thought you were going to do this for me. Like, I'm, I'm all fucked up. I can't go do this. Like, somebody's going to have to go do it. And Dina actually, like, basically drags Tommy outside. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, don't ever talk to us again. Don't ever come back. I don't want to see you. Leave us alone. Leave us out of this. And that night, Ellie wakes up in the middle of the night and starts packing a bag. Because even without Tommy's, um, you know, after telling Tommy to fuck off, like, she still feels like she needs to go do this. So uh, the game takes you to Santa Barbara as Ellie. But first, in true Last of Us Part Two fashion, you have to play a segment as Abby uh, in Santa Barbara. Where she is, it's actually a pretty quick segment. Um, you know, that you're you're with Lev, you've made your way to Santa Barbara finally, and you are looking for uh, the last rumored place where the fireflies are, are hanging out. And you you are you get to this house, and it seems like all hope is lost. There's no sign of anybody, but Lev actually finds some you know telltale scratches on the floor. Realizes there's a secret compartment, pops it open, finds a radio, and the the fireflies respond and say, "Hey, actually, yeah, we're on an island. A couple, we're how far away is that island?" Uh, it's like two hours away from LA. So I mean, fucking it's the Catalina fucking Island. Catalina wine mixer, guys. Yeah. Come on. Okay. So they're they're you know um, the stepbrothers are out in the Catalina wine mixer with the fireflies, and they're like, yeah, come on out. Like we're we're hanging out, we're chilling out here. Uh, come join us. As they're walking out of the the garage to go ahead and find a boat and get over there, they are captured by yet another group of um, asshole people called the Rattlers. Rattlers. Yeah. Yeah. The Rattlers. Um, and then the story cuts back to Ellie where you are, you also run into the Rattlers. Um, and this is where the story is kind of like, it's, we're finally starting to wrap up, but, um, which is why I'm going a little bit, uh, quickly, but you, you, you switch back to Ellie and you find the Rattlers and you realize that they've caught, uh, somebody named Abby. Um, and you, they tell you where they are. And then, uh, the Rattler that tells you is like, Hey, just let me go. Like you shot me in the leg. I can't go anywhere. Um, just let me, let me be. And she's like, nah. And she fucking shoots this rattler guy in the head, which maybe he deserved it. He didn't seem like a great guy. But anyway, you find out that Abby's actually still in this prison um, by the time that Ellie gets there. So you're going through this compound. You're killing all these rattlers, all these terrible people, as well as some infected along the way. And you finally run into the prisoners, and Abby's not there. Um, and uh, she's asking, like, where's Abby? Like, she still, like, doesn't give a shit about who these people are. She she didn't wasn't even planning on setting them free. They set themselves free because they managed to get a hold of the keys during a scuffle that that Ellie was having with one of the guards, she just so fixated on this thing, and the, the guards are like, oh, she tried to escape a couple weeks ago. Um, she's out at the Pillars. Go out there. Um, and it turns out that I didn't realize this at the time. Um, the pillar, pillar, pillaring, I guess, is an actual form of torture where you you set up people um, kind of on post. You don't crucify them necessarily, but you, you, you hold them up as if they are being crucified. You time up, and the waves actually come in, and the people die of exposure, um, being stuck out there for so long. Ugh. Um it's nasty shit. So it looks yeah. like Abby and Lev have both been out there for a while. Um, and then she's she's looking for one, hoping that she's not dead yet. Finds Abby, cuts her down, and says, fucking fight me uh, with a knife. Um, she's like, I, she puts her guns down and says, Abby, we're doing this. Like, we're going to fucking fight. Abby. Yeah. Um, and so you... Go ahead, Tony. Uh, did you get the fake out? When you're walking down the pillars, you see a woman with the long ponytail, how Abby had yes. her hair. I got the fake out, too. Um, yeah, and when they finally reveal Abby's condition, she is a shell of herself. 
She this woman was a big physical presence. She has her muscle tone is all gone. You could tell she hasn't probably eaten or drinking any water in a very long time. Um, quite striking uh, difference in Ellie's condition at the time and uh, Abby's at the time. It, yeah, it is very, worth noting that Ellie is not doing great either. Not because she's been tortured. Oh yeah, she's stabbed. Yeah, she, yeah, she's been stabbed, beaten. She is. She's not a hundred percent, but definitely not at the same way that Abby is. I totally forgot about that. She stitched herself up. Uh, she got stabbed by a tree. Actually, she got caught in a trap and stabbed a tree. It was terrible. But anyway, and and so even seeing this condition, she's not like I'm just going to put a bullet in her head or I'm just going to leave her here. She's like, no, I need you to. I need you to fucking fight me. And so there's this fight scene. Like Metal Gear and this, Solid, and this is the point style. where where most of us are like, uh, Ellie sucks now. Yes, right. This, is, this was we're, it. We're we're all like, uh, I hope Abby kills you because you are Ellie you just evolved into a horrible person. Actually, mine was when she left the farm. When she left exactly. the farm, I'm like, yeah. okay, this this bitch is a monster, and I hate you now. The farm that was, was so great and so amazing. It was such a happy ending. That to just walk away from it, yeah, I can never look at you the same again. Yeah, and yes. D- Dina's fucking cool. JJ's fucking cool. Yeah. That's a cool ass baby. I want to hang out with that baby and hang out with Dina. Like that'd be a blast. Why do I need to go do this thing? Like, let me. Find- they gotta have some therapy in the post apocalypse. There are other people dealing with mental health issues um, and-, and trauma and trying to get past that. Like, this isn't going to solve your problems. And I think that ultimately that's where the story leads, Ellie. Um, as as they're fighting. And, you know, really just knockout brawl back and forth, just really visceral and, um, you know, trying to trying to stab Abby, Abby choking her out. Abby ends up biting off two of her fingers. Again, Lord of the Rings style, Return of the King style, um, bites off some fucking fingers. And um, Ellie finally gets the upper hand and is holding her underwater for like an uncomfortable amount of time. And then all of a sudden, um, Ellie gets a flash of Joel sitting on his porch playing a guitar. It's no longer flashes of Joel um you know lying bleeding um in in the cabin it's it's joel hanging out as he was and ellie stops and ellie lets abby up and abby goes to santa barbara um with lev and uh, ellie goes home to the farm to find out that uh dina has packed everything up and left um ellie walks upstairs and is looking for for anything left and, and ellie's room has been relatively untouched she kind of has an art room um, and her guitar is there, and the guitar has been a big, you know, the, the take on me segment we talked about earlier. The guitar has been a really big part of um, Ellie's journey um, and in connecting with Joel. Joel's the one who taught her how to play guitar, and as she tries to play, you know, with her two fingers bitten off on her left hand, um, she can't play anymore. Uh, that piece is missing, uh, and it's something that she's not able to recover. It's something that she lost as a part of this journey, and ultimately um, leaves the guitar uh, and walks off into the distance. And uh, then we fade to black and get credits. Finally, um, yeah, the, the game finally ends at this point. What a journey uh, <laughs> that we've been on on this podcast, man! I really did say five minutes, and here we are. Uh, but I think we we got some good discussion. In and a there's a, way. there's a few things uh, that we we missed, like the the weed and porn dungeon that uh, uh, was great though. Ellie and Dina find themselves in. Uh, we also missed the Joel and Ellie scene on the porch at the end of the game. Um, I think we should probably talk about that for a, maybe 30 seconds. Yes. The porch scene so, is, is one that I really want to talk about. Cause I think for me, it was like, it's great. Most impactful yes. moment. I, maybe outside of the, 
museum. But for for those listening, uh, there's actually two flash. There's a number of flashbacks to the night before Joel died. Um, mostly, it's Ellie being quite mad at him. Um, but you know, you see her be pissed at him. You think maybe that's the last thing they ever said. Um, and then there's this flashback towards the end where you really see like this visceral her yelling at him, snapping at him and, you know, leaving you at this moment thinking like, wow, the last moment they had together was her being pissed at him. And then she saw him get killed with a nine iron. But shortly thereafter, you know, you're traveling, you're trying to kill Abby. You get another flashback and it's a bit later in that same night where Joel is on the porch of his house and you basically stop by to apologize or to have a moment. And it's this extremely heartfelt discussion where, um, you know, Abby can finally see that Joel, even though he did some horrible things and lied to her, does care about her. He, he wants to get through it and they set themselves up to be on this road towards forgiveness in this conversation where the last thing they basically say is that, you know, Ellie can start trying to forgive him. And that makes it even worse to see him get killed the next day. And this is all at the very end of the story. So yeah, and this is some of that information that the game keeps from you um, until the very end. So you see the you see the relationship is kind of rocky up until this point. You see the scene uh, when the the uh, the asshole at the at the dance like yells at Ellie and Dina for kissing. Hey, there's families here. Yada yada yada. Um, and then Joel steps in, and then Ellie gets really mad at him for kind of to uh, to to get in the way. And you're you're thought to to think that that is their last interaction, right? But as you just said, Blake, but it really wasn't. There there was a, a great scene. Um, and that is the last interaction that they have before Joel catches the nine iron. And the thing that makes that moment so great is it actually explains why Ellie went on this vengeance mission. Cause sure. yeah. like we talked about at the beginning, like why would she go seek revenge on this person she's pissed at and has been furious at for years? Like it's because after years of being angry at this father figure of hers, she finally had that breakthrough moment, and the next day they took it. Yeah, and Abby took it. Abby took that like recovery potential away, right? Like that was just just stolen from her. Yeah. So it, that that really yeah. was an impactful moment in storytelling for me, and I kind of appreciate that they saved it for later because it makes you look back at the whole journey that you just went through or are just about to finish and have very different feelings about it. Right. And, and again, it was it was intentionally set up this way because they wanted to create this kind of labyrinthian arc. Like it took us so long and we had to go into so much detail about so many different aspects because all of them are required for the story, I think, to work in the way that it was intended. Um, in a way that like I was able to get through The Last of Us Part 1 pretty much, you know, give or take, yes, some people died. You met some other characters along the way in like five minutes. Um, it's so much more layered and I appreciate that they that they had a platform to do this um and i think it was ultimately a good story i think that one of the one of the issues that i have is yes there are problems the with the i think the character logic i think that there are decisions that people make throughout the story including ellie including abby that just don't seem like they make a lot of sense and they do seem convenient in order to push the plot forward i think one of those big ones which i had a problem with like you know i was the last one of the four of us i was the last of us uh <laughs> to finish the game and but i'm 
Um, and I immediately got into the group chat. I'm like, oh my God, you know, fuck this game because Abby is stupid because she's this like hardcore militarized person who's for the past four years has been trained by highly skilled people um, to, you know, make her turn her into a sociopath, make her blind and go ahead and fight this war against the Seraphites um, on behalf of the WLF. And yet, and, and she's been plotting this revenge against this guy, Joel, for four years and then runs into him conveniently. And uh, a person who is begging for his life, saying, please let him go, please, and then vows to fucking kill you if you do anything to him, if you if you continue to hurt him, and then Mert and looks at you, looks at Ellie, and then looks at Joel, and then hits him in the head with a nine iron, and says, you know what, even though she says that she's going to fucking kill me, like, I'm just going to let her, you know, we, we live in a, a terrible world um, full of people who are taking revenge, myself included. Um, I'm just going to let you go, because I, I've decided that now, it, like, that's a bridge too far. One more person after all the people I've killed, a little too much. Yes, was that done to, was that done to push the story forward and, and set this whole chain of events off? Of course it was. It's a it's a video game. It's yeah, a it's at, a, the, inter- it's at the same time. Game. I'd say my argument is actually like you got to look at Abby's dad, right? Versus Ellie. Basically, Joel is her dad. Joel is a bad guy. Teaches her all these these really bad things and like like the torture sequence that her uh, that that Ellie uh, basically oh, with, like with the shows map. the map with and the that map. stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. basically Joel Joel's bad behavior and Tommy's bad behavior has imprinted onto Ellie like you are actually a bad person. Whereas ultimately Abby is a good person because she's always had the light of her father on her side. So that's another way that you could look at it. Right. Even though Abby was driven by rage and took a nine hour, nine irons and and tiger woods, the hell out of uh, Joel uh, at the end of the day, that was just her only goal. And and she is morally still a, a good person. So that's that's the way that I took it. That that's what was the key difference between the two of them. Their upbringing. You also have a whole group of people there with Abby. A lot of whom didn't feel necessarily the same way. Like some people were like kill her. Some people were like you know let it go, calm down. We don't need to kill anymore. And you you see the effects that that even killing Joel had on them. You know later, like yes, they set out to seek revenge, but were they really prepared to just kill in cold blood? It's one thing to kill, you know, the Seraphites who you're in this war with, and it's another to just go and kill someone minding, quote unquote, minding their own business. Yeah. In that group, in that, in that ski house, I think it was Danny, the one that like wanted to kill Ellie. Right. And then, then there were a couple, I believe Um, Owen stopped them. Yeah. And then they got into a tussle eventually. And I think he shot Danny. Is that, so-, so he shot Dan. Yes, the reason Owen went AWOL for going back to, to the, that story was, and he was sick of all the killing, and the, the killing of Joel really had an impact on him. Yes. But it was Danny was the one who um, who was shooting Seraphites, like this old guy who had given up, and he was like he wanted Owen to shoot Danny again, another it. person who had who was not posing a threat at the time. That was it, yeah. uh, and said, "Fuck you, I'm not going to do this." I, and shot Danny and went AWOL. Ellie was posing first off a couple things. Um, the arguments that you guys are making, it feels like, you know, again, in this, in this world, in this space, like, is there just murder and is there unjust murder? Like, uh, that is, I think, incredibly complicated and layered and complex. But I think it, it, the argument that I'm making is not about the morality of the killings themselves, but more so about the survival instinct and the preservation instincts of these people who, again, they all acknowledge while they are there um, that the town of Jackson, which they are very close to, if they don't get out right now after killing Joel, it's going to come down on them. They knew that there were going to be people who were seeking revenge, and yet they had a witness 
one of the only witnesses, um, it was her and Tommy, and just let them go, even knowing these people were going to go do this thing. It just it's a it's a bad idea. Yes, sir. Like regardless of your your morality and how you're feeling about you know quote unquote innocence and quote unquote cold blood, even though these people are vowing and saying, if you let me up, I'm going to kill you. She, in fact, you know, Ellie had stabbed somebody in the face already at this point in that room, and it's like, nah, no, nah, you're good. You'll if be, if we'll I be had hiked this is halfway fine. across the country to go seek revenge on someone, do you know and, where Wyoming is compared to Seattle? Um, it's about halfway. I'm googling this. I think you're wrong. <laughs> I think it's you're, like I, a third. I think oh, you're very wrong. Like here's, half. <laughs> here's the thing: if you don't have a plane and you don't have a, a working vehicle. If you went that distance, I don't think you would think that the people there would follow you to the place that they don't know you're at. It's a reasonable conclusion. They don't know where from Seattle. They, but why would take, they know? If I'm going to take a trip again across, like literally across the country, even though it's, it's yeah, you're right. It's it's Wyoming and then Idaho and then and then Seattle or then Washington. So relatively close, but still, like if you're going to go through all this work, four years of preparation. Like, like, follow through. Like, what are you doing, Abs? Like, I'm not saying that I would have wanted to see that happen. Close the but deal. But again, like, it's these, it's, it's these illogical. Yeah, close the deal. It's, it's these illogical uh, decision making processes here and there. That yes, people are are human. And I think they're very well written. Um, I think there's there's a lot of arguments online about people saying that the, the story of the Last of Us Two is bad. Um, I disagree with that vehemently. I think it's a fantastic story, even though it's not what I would have wanted to happen personally. It's very well written. Um, has a lot of really good, interesting points, goes a lot of different angles, and I think closes a lot of these um, gaps. Um, but there's still a few here and there that are left open to make the story go forward that really, again, it, it created a situation where I was like, Abby, you're kind of a loser. Like, And I said this, and you all, you all jumped on me, but um, in the <laughs> chat when, when I first got on, I was like, Abby, like, close the deal. What are you doing? You you kind of brought this upon yourself. Like, we, You could have gone your separate ways. And, and this is, I think, the whole point of the story is like, it, you could just stop. You could end the cycle of violence. You could not try to take revenge on Joel for killing your dad. You could not try to take revenge on Abby for killing Joel. You could try not to take revenge on Abby two years after the fact, you know, to get some sort of closure um, or to, to avenge Jesse or, or any other kind of concocted reason that Ellie had to go to Santa Barbara in the first place. But you didn't. And so this is what you have to deal with now. How about this? Um, Let me throw something at you real quick. We're not going to spend a lot yeah. of time because we're, we're a little over already. Okay. Abby spares Ellie in the first encounter. Abby spares Ellie again in the theater. And who ends up saving Abby's ass from the pole? It was Ellie. Ellie. Right. It was Ellie. Mm -hmm. So her good deed came back and saved her life. Would Abby have been on the pole? Yes. Because Had she, she was, gone she after Joel, she Barbara, was chasing. Sure. She was yeah. chasing the fireflies. She got the tip. She, you, but she would have, have had. Assume, she would have had maybe potentially up to ten other people with her. You have to assume she that she got that this. tip eventually, right? Like, yes. But again, I don't think because of all these things that happened, where Ellie killed all of Abby's backup, maybe the Rattlers wouldn't have been as big of an issue, <laughs> if an issue at all. Okay. I mean, I mean, it was really just going to be Owen, maybe Mel, and Abby. Right. Instead, it was Abby and Lev. So now you're talking about one extra person, right? That, that's semantics because we're just dealing in the hyper. Right. We're, 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 we're going to circle. We could circle this all night. I <laughs> yeah, think the, 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 Please the don't. Overarching, I'm tired. No, you're fine. Um, no, I think that, uh, again, a very impressive piece of, of art 
Um, very impressive video game. I had a lot of fun from a gameplay perspective. Story things I don't agree with, um, or, or rather decision-making that I, that I don't agree with um, or don't think that would, would happen in a real-world situation um, that was more in service of the story than anything else. But overall, like, what a what a goddamn achievement. Like, I, it, it, I've never thought about a game for this long after I finished it. Um, yeah. And that seems so reductive, um, saying it out loud, but I think there are a few pieces of content in this in this medium um, that are able to evoke that. And so when, when a game is able to do that and do it at such a scale where the internet is still on fire about it um, almost a month after the fact, um, it's it's quite impressive and, and certainly something worth uh, discussing and, and reviving um, the pod to, to do so. I, I think my, my kind of takeaway statement about the game is, is twofold. I think, first off, I think... Last of Us 1 is a better airtight experience. Uh, yes. I think that was said in, I, I forget which YouTube video you guys made me watch, but I agree with that, and I think the poignant ending of Last of Us is still super, super impactful. I think at the end of the day, Last of Us 2 actually tells a better story, a more interesting story. I think it is arguably one of the most interesting revenge tales that I've ever seen in any form of media. Um, it, it, it tackles it in such an interesting way, that forces you to emotionally challenge yourself. You're, you're cheering for this one person and then it flips the script on you and you, you absolutely hate the person that you're, you're playing as while it's going, but then you have, you, you learn empathy for that character and for that person that you're playing as, um, at the end of the day, even if it's not as good of an airtight experience, uh, I think Last of Us 2 has a better story. I think it's much more layered, much more complex and just much more interesting. Um, and I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. Yep. I, to me, I feel like all of my favorite games throughout my life have been games that I've seen as pivotal in changing games forever. Um, I think, you know, looking at like Half-Life really added a physics engine to to video games like we've never seen before. And you could say Super Mario, you know, 64 brought 3D platforming like front and center I could go on and on, but The Last of Us 1 really blew me away with story. And to have the sequel be put out is like, okay, well, you know, how is this going to be in any way, shape, or form as iconic to me? And in changing how they tell that story, I think it, it really did hit those notes. And, you know, it goes up there on the list with me as iconic video game moments as beating this game. Yeah, it's... Uh... I, I think it was a great game. I think it was maybe a little too long. There might have been some filler segments that could have got cut. I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, Marty, you mentioned that the the the, uh, the infected aren't aren't really a part of the story in this game. It's just more like a like an obstacle you have to get mm-hmm. from from A to B. And I think that I think that's a thing it does really well because the, the zombies to me aren't that interesting, right? There's no they're just there to kill you. They're, they're stupid oafs that just run around, right? The real interesting part of this story is is the human aspect of it and how these people deal with this world um, and living in there without really, you know... <laughs> there's no there's no other side of the zombie story that I, I'm interested in, right? I don't, I don't care about the zombie's point of view. And what this game does really well is forces you to empathize with who you think is the villain in the game. And I thought it was such an interesting choice and I really hated it at the beginning. Um, and then when, like you said, when, uh, when she goes back for, 
Yara and Lev, it, it really kind of turned on me. And then you you kind of realize that okay, there's there's a person here. There's she right. she had this this traumatic thing that happened to her. She's dead set on avenging her father. She actually does it, and it's 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 still it's not filling that hole in her heart, right? So so I think you see her trying to be a better person. Uh, again, she's <laughs> she's she spares uh, Ellie twice, and we talked about that a lot, and. I kind of appreciate that there is no player agency in this game. Like you, you cannot stop the Nora execution. You just can't, you have to do it. It is an authored story. Yes. You are not, you are not these characters. You are along to the ride for the, what these characters are going to do. Absolutely. This is not your story. This is the story of that. They want to tell about Ellie and Abby, right? There's no, there's no, uh, there's no wiggle room out of here. And, and the, the emotion manipulation that they do I think is very effective. It, it certainly worked on me. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was, it was an experience. I don't know if I'll replay it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that thing where if you play something, play through a game that you, you really enjoy, you'll never get that first experience back. Um, I, I've been trying to digest all of the uh, reviews and spoiler casts that I can find. And it's just an interesting way of storytelling. And they could have done a totally safe sequel, guys. Like, this was not safe. This was not... This was probably a very hard development, very hard story craft. Because they could have just been like, oh, Ellie and Joel go and find more people that are immune. Or some, some cheeky shit like that, right? And they didn't do that. And I appreciated, like, challenging the player... Um, forcing the empathy, and uh, they they made me hate Ellie, and I did not hate her when I started this game. Plus, we got to go to Santa Barbara, which is my hometown. <laughs> That's right. And, let, me, and... let me pose two quick questions, rapid-fire ones, um, and each of us can, can take a, a stab at the answer. Number one, will you watch the TV show? Do you think it'll be good? Number two, if there's a sequel to this, who do you want to play as? For me... I think the TV show, I think they'll pull it off. I've heard great things about Chernobyl, um, and HBO does good shit. Uh, I'm interested to see if they pull in the Abby story into the first season, or they just kind of keep it as is. Um, secondly, a sequel, I still want to play as Ellie. Um, I think Abby and Lev's story can be tied off here, but Ellie is, I, I'd like to see where Ellie goes from here. Whereas after the first one, I was like, I don't need a sequel. Now I actually feel like I want a sequel to this one. I would say yes to the show, um, even if it's anthologized. And is, again, there are plenty of stories to tell in this universe. Um, and even if it isn't, I, I'm curious to see how they adapt it. And for the sequel, if I, I, I don't know, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, I will say that if we do play as Ellie in a third title, um, I better not. I don't want to. I don't want to involve what we've gone through before. Like th this game was so predicated on what happened in the last was part one. Um, I don't know how much more of a stomach I have for dissecting all the shit that happened in the last was part two. Um, Ellie is clearly going out on her own, um, is going to do something new by herself. Uh, I want to see where that takes us. I don't want us to go back into the past. Yeah. I mean, two was all about moving on. So I hope that's the way they go. TV show down for it in a sequel. I want to play as JJ grown up. <laughs> Yo, JJ. All right, uh, 
for the show, 100% in. Uh, you saw what HBO did with the Watchmen series. If you haven't seen that, go and watch it. Um, and also the guy, I, I watched Chernobyl when I heard that this guy was making this show. Also fantastic. I think he's going to nail it. In uh, a possible sequel, the only way that I think that they could make it work is if you're playing as Ellie, you're going off into a new story, and she like you have the reluctant past that you don't want to talk about, similar to how the latest God of War came out. Um, you know the history that he what what he went through and what what Ellie has gone through, but it's not really in the forefront of that story, and I don't think it should be in a sequel. I like that. I think that's interesting. I think it's a good way to 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 tie a bow on it. Speaking of tying bows on it, uh, Tony, play the music. We all hype. Sorry, I'm a little rusty here. Pipe, I don't care how long this podcast is. You were not getting out of an episode of Team Space Five without hyper gripe. Uh, quarantine edition, uh, very topical uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, we're all still, I think, we're all still chilling at home. Um, everybody, stay safe out there. We're gonna do lightning round because, uh, goddamn. Uh, this is long. Okay, <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna get into it. Um, we'll go Tony, Joe, Blake. Uh, as far as the order, uh, number one, work from home. Uh, I got to do it for two or three months. I loved it in the beginning, and then I fucking hated it. I'm gonna call that a gripe. It's a gripe. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty gripe on it, guys. I, I miss the human interaction. Uh, I am also gripe. I need socializing so bad. This is unanimous gripe. I actually, I, I took a new job and I moved across the country to sit in an office with the people I worked with, and then they closed down the office. Unanimous um, gripe. So fuck that. Uh, Zoom calls. Hyper gripe. Uh, I didn't really have to do any of this, so I'm gonna go hype. Yes. Oh my god, these Destiny, um, <laughs> these Destiny clips. God, how old is this fucking show? I, I'm definitely going gripe. Uh, I, I love how everybody was super into the the happy hours early on, and then those all fell off real quick. I'm gripe. Uh, I, I'm hype. I kind of like the idea of sitting in my apartment and drinking with my friends. I think that, man, everyone was so excited about, oh, I'm going to use cool backgrounds or fun snap filters and all this shit. And now people are like, you're lucky if people turn on video at this point. Um, I'm great. Fuck these things. Takeout services. Um, I enjoy the convenience, but the fees are not worth it. So I'm great. I'm, I'm hype. I couldn't live without... DoorDash, and I also couldn't live without um, Whole Foods delivery for groceries. This is the only way that I eat food. I'm super hype. <laughs> I, I am also hype. I would be dead. I would be dead. Uh, cooking at home. More. Hate it, because that also means you have, like, three times as much ditch dishes as you did prior. Uh, I, I fucking love it. Uh, basically, everything that we used to order for takeout that they would jip us on. Um, so, like, 
Thai curry or or other other like Asian foods that they would give you like three pieces of chicken. I learned how to make Thai curry myself, and it's fucking amazing. I miss Korean barbecue from when I lived in LA. Me and Regina, we learned to make it. It's fucking awesome. So it's great. It's great. Um, I am gripe. I don't have a dishwasher, so it sucks. Guardian down. I I'm gripe because it requires me to to make the food. I don't like doing that very much. The word unprecedented or uh, we're all in this together. Oh, I fucking hate it. Uh, every every like commercial but Tony, you see. Tony, these are unprecedented times, and we're really <laughs> all in this together. Yeah, and uh, these trying times, it. and we're all in this together. Hey, fuck you, Kleenex brand. I don't give a shit that we're in this together. Just give me some fucking tissues. The, the one that gets it, I know we're going totally out of order. Fucking gripe the shit out of this. It's it's like the car commercials. It's the it's the the products that like I'm certainly not buying a, a fucking car during that. Like I'm not going anywhere. Fuck you. I don't give it like I don't give a shit if you're, there's a sale and how unprecedented your sale is or the times that we're in. Fuck you. I'm super griped. The commercials of like Verizon and Comcast telling us they're here for us. Fuck no. God damn it. Like, get the hell out of here. Get rid of my data caps. See, I'm hype because these words point out to me the brands and people I should be avoiding. <laughs> That's fair. Um, homeschooling. Uh, I hate it uh, because I have a wife who is a teacher. And uh, she spends all this time doing pre- preparing lessons for these fucking kids, and none of them do it because they don't have to. Yeah, uh... I'm super, super great about it. Obviously, my kids are they're, they're too young for normal school. They're just in daycare, which gladly just opened up on Monday. Um, but like the Zoom meetings that, that the, the daycare teachers were having, we just didn't attend because <laughs> my kids didn't even care about them. Uh, I'm gripe. Normally, I would be hyped for it. But because uh, I don't have a commute, the homeschooling isn't affecting my traffic, and so I can't reap the benefits. Uh, I'm gonna say gripe uh, because I, 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 I don't know how long this is gonna go on. I don't know how to teach a child, and I hope I don't have a child that gets old enough that to need teaching. When this fucking it's terrible. I pay teachers more. Hashtag pay teachers more. Uh, the state of Florida. The biggest gripe that there is to give. What a bunch of fucking idiots in Florida. Marty, I can't believe you made it out alive. I can't either. Hey, I'm going to say hype because, hey, I get to watch some NBA basketball. Ooh, Dark Horse. Uh, I'm going to say gripe. Uh, I have family that live there, (laughs) and I think they can go away with it, so. Hello. I'm gonna say gripe. Uh, that that was a night. Living there was a nightmare um, for like the last couple months there. That was it was real bad. You you guys should get your shit together. That's not good. All right, uh, last one on the docket: masks. Hype. Wear your fucking masks. It's not that big of an inconvenience. Uh, be considerate to others and protect yourself and others. It's easy. Obviously, hype. The only thing that's bad is smelling your own breath. Uh, hype as well. I think it's really fashionable and cool, and I can sing to myself. So, 
That's a good point. Uh, the breath stuff's pretty bad, but I, I think it's a unanimous hype here. We all hype. Uh, imagine that this almost two hour long podcast, uh, was actually just a secret PSA for put on your fucking masks, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And that's actually going to do it for the show. We made it. Um, are we going to come back with more episodes? Who's to say, is there going to be something as important uh, to talk about? We don't know yet, but if we do, um, be sure to tune in, uh, to your various pocket. I don't even know where we're putting this thing anymore. I think, I think this might just be for us i'm gonna, I'm no, gonna I'll figure it out a bunch of dips i'm gonna figure it out leave them if you got places. to the end of this if you got to the end of this um and you write me what's our email address joe do you remember spacebot at gmail.com can you still access it yeah i got it on my phone i don't know the password but i got it on my phone if you get to the end of this and you send that email if you send that address an email um and you you tell us the name of the dog in the last of us i will send you a ten dollar amazon gift card Woo! Oh First person God, to do it. <laughs> I want to know if what? anybody listens to this. This is a sweepstakes all of a sudden. All of a sudden. There are probably some I'm probably breaking some some laws somewhere. Um, but I'll deal with the, the legal fault of that. You, be, you better you so hope much. this doesn't go viral, man. <laughs> I said the first person who does it. I'll oh, do it. first person, okay. First person who does it. Um, thank you all so much for, for listening. Thank you for letting us into your homes, into your, your minds, into your ears. Thank you for being good friends of the show as always. Um, I, I, real talk. I don't know if we're going to do this again. Uh, it's a special episode. Um, Blake, Joe, Tony, thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Marty Hess, and uh, we will catch you next time on Team Space Pod. Thanks for listening to Team Space Pod the only video game podcast on the internet. Email us at teamspacepod at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at teamspacepod.